Thanks for listening to The Issue Podcast. Be sure to follow our Instagram at the underscore issue podcast and our Twitter at the issue podcast. Catch us Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is Wednesday, August 19th, and we're back with another episode of The Issue. I am by myself once again in the studio. Um, We went back and, you know, we warned you on Friday that it was going to be a little different coming up, and now it is. Uh, We had to miss Monday's episode uh, because of just, you know, busy schedules trying to get back into the swing of things, but we are back now. And we'll be back on our Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule like we normally are. Uh, I have Tim with me on the phone. Tim, how you doing, man? Good, great. Um, I'm excited to be back talking about sports. Really starting to follow sports more now. I was, uh, you know, moving in to the uh, to the apartment, getting all settled in. So it's nice to be settled in and focus on what I uh, what I love to do. Absolutely. Um, yeah, guys, so we missed the AFC North predictions on Monday, but you'll have them today. Uh, Absolutely. To- I can't wait to go to it. It's probably like the most interesting one, not only because the hometown team, but you got the crazy Browns, you got New Joe Burrow, you got a loaded Baltimore. It's going to be interesting. Oh, for sure. Um, it'll be exciting to talk about. We have some news on Tatis Jr. coming up here in the first segment, and then I'm going to talk about the Pirates a little bit. Uh, Tim, we got your trivia in the first segment cool. today. Where you're moved up yeah, to, to the primetime slot. You got your primetime slot for trivia today. So uh, Yeah, well, I went 4-4 four, four last week, so I think I could just keep, uh, keep building off that. Right, and today's trivia, just for anybody who's wondering, is going to be on running backs um, coming into this. Uh, we're going to be comparing Saquon Barkley and uh, Ezekiel Elliott, to be more specific. Very interested. Same division and everything. This yep. is going to be good. Yep. Thought it'd be thought it would be interesting for you guys. And then we'll take a break and we'll get back with the news and finish things out with the AFC North. And as long as that sounds okay, we're going to get started. So Tim, if you want to go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Like you mentioned, I want to, I wanted to get into the Tatis junior issues that have been, been kind of around, around baseball the last two, two, three days here. What was that? It's been like two days now, I think. Yeah, um, it's two days. I, I think me and you have very similar thoughts on the matter. Um, Fernando Tossi Jr., he, he's an absolute superstar. I don't think anyone right now, at least right now, you can't dispute that. I mean, he ranks or has ranked in the last three days at number one, at least in the NL, in home runs, RBIs, runs, and stolen bases. Mm-hmm. Oh, and just to throw it in there, he hasn't even made an error yet this year. Yeah. He's still fielding a thousand percent. I mean, he, he's he been absolutely incredible. I mean, clearly he's a top five player in the league right now, maybe even top three. If you can dispute that, just go. Just go. Whether you're an analyst guy, uh, you know, like like metrics and, and stats and stuff like that, well, he's, he's at the top of everything. Well, if you're if you're an eye test guy, well, he's actually lightning in a bottle, and he's better clearly than anyone else on the field at the time. So I think he top three player, MVP candidate right now, and I think it'd be crazy to not put that in there. Um, you guys remember like three weeks ago now, maybe? Um, I thought I still thought he was one more year of growth away from being this good, and if this season was still 162 games, I would be a little bit skeptical. Um, 
But I think with his youth, he's made for this type of sprint. He's a high energy lightning in a bottle type of guy. Yeah. But I don't think that's that's always sustainable for 162. So if this season was fully lengthened, I'd, I'd still have my doubts. Um, I think as he ages, he'll develop like a kind of like a, a downshift type of gear. You know, I feel like Mike Trout, when he needs to turn it on, he turns it on. But other than that, he can kind of sit back and still still casually hit 300. You know. Right. I think Tatis will develop that. I think right now he's still got he's still putting absolutely every ounce of everything that he has into every at bat, every pitch, everything. Um, but eventually, I think he'll make himself a little more "quote unquote" prolongable. You know. Yeah. Um. But right now, for this season at least, I don't think there's anyone better. But I, anyway, in route to throttling the Rangers, which isn't really a surprise, they're terrible. Um, he had a home run and three RBIs when he stepped up to the plate. Right. Took some good pitches. Got himself into a 3-0 count, right? Total hitter's count. He's in control, driver's seat, everything. Padres are up seven. But he'll actually analyze the crazy game of baseball. Anyone who's actually played it can know that you can hang six, seven runs uh, in an inning with no problem. And especially in an increasing offensive league. Especially they got Joey Gallo who can uh, just murder the ball. So if you have a chance to add some more runs to that seven-run league, you do. You just do, you know? Um, like I said, uh, anyone who's played baseball... If, if you don't think that you can hang six runs in an inning, it's, it's not that crazy to think, you know? Yeah. Um, even look just how much an inning can flip a game. Just look at uh, Toronto when they played the Rangers back in, what was that, 2015 in that, in that game um, where Joe, Joey Batista smacked that home run. The, uh, um, the legendary bat flip right there. Yeah, I mean, that, that flipped the whole script of the game. So, I mean, you don't think one inning can matter what well, it can. So... So Tatis, you know, sees the bases loaded and an opportunity to help his team put the nail in the coffin. You can you can score one or two guys, or you pretty much put it out of reach, especially in the eighth inning, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then get out get out of Texas with a win there. So the pitcher, you know, if he had an issue with with a with a three zero swing, maybe in my opinion he shouldn't fall behind three zero with the bases loaded. <laughs> anyway, he ends up grooving a fastball. And Tatis pounds it, absolutely kills it um, to right field. Takes an outside pitch, perfectly, beautifully swing. Or beautiful swing, just just hammers it to right field on an absolute frozen rope. Um, I, I don't know the exit velo; it was probably well above one hundred five. I mean, he killed it. Had to be, and that's because that's what he should have done. He got heat from the Texas coach, and if you analyze the film, you can see him getting heat from his own general manager, who was sitting in one of those little um, seats actually behind the uh, home plate towards the Padres dugout. Yeah. He was giving him heat, and his own head coach did, looked very unenthused when he got back in the dugout after hitting a grand slam. Mm-hmm. And both whom, if you go back, the GM and the head coach, the Padres, both worked in the Raiders, Rangers organization and both worked with the Rangers coach. What is that? Uh, Woodward, something like that? Yeah, yeah, Woodward. Worked with him as well. So they have connections to the Rangers. So a mm, little fishy there. Um, and that's so when you receive heat for doing what he gets paid to do. Yeah, he could have waited for a walk, or in a time with so much uncertainty, not only roster spot wise but financially, why would he not prove his worth and Espe- pad the stats? Especially as a younger guy in the league that's still trying to make yeah. a name for himself. He hasn't even gotten that big contract yet. No. Go hammer some balls, pad the stats. Because now, if you come back and you say, "Well, so right now," um, they, they were talking about the unwritten rules and everything like that. No, no, no. That, that, that's BS. I'm done with the unwritten rule that you can't swing 3-0. Yeah. 
Yeah. You shouldn't watch baseball if you think that that's a quote-unquote rule or an unwritten rule that needs to be followed to a T. Um, that's absolutely BS. Uh, there's unwritten rules I can support. You know, you don't throw out heads. You know, you slide like a man, but you don't want to hurt the other guy. And, you know, maybe you don't shove a veteran by, by blowing some chin music. But other than that, I, I'm done with these unwritten rules. Yeah, I, I right? 100% agree with that. Tatis, who, who's a superstar, if you're saying that he shouldn't have a good time and succeed at every possible pitch and every possible opportunity, then grow up. Mm-hmm. He's showing what kids should do. He's being an inc- incredible role model. Every pitch, every at-bat, every run matters. Yeah, It's insane. And if you think that, you know, every single time, if, if Tatis didn't, you know, it just – it, I don't. I don't get it. You know, if he took a good fastball in every single hitter's count that he got, in every single game that he had a lead, he wouldn't have anywhere near the stats he had. Just because you have a lead and you get a hitter, a hitter's pitch, just because it's three zero doesn't mean you shouldn't clobber the baseball. Right, and three zero with the bases loaded, you know that that pitch is coming right down the middle too, because he's not going to try to walk in a run. He's got a groovy one. The, the pitcher painted himself right into a corner. Maybe don't load the bases. Maybe don't go up, go down 3-0 against Tatis. You, know, you painted yourself right into a corner, and now you're mad because you, you got a little paint on yourself, all right? And you got showed up by Tatis. Tatis, he should have smacked that ball. There's no way. I, I just don't believe anyone who said that he shouldn't have just absolutely killed that baseball. Uh, it's a different game in a different era, in an undeniably crazy season. Tatis isn't in the wrong except for – him apologize. That's the only thing he did wrong. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's caught attention from a bunch of players around the league, too. I know Trevor Bauer um, put out yeah, a power adage. Yeah. Um, I, I should have that up right here. Uh, give me a second. I need to find that. Um, I thought it would be interesting. Yeah, he, he signed with Tatis, which is – it's refreshing to see a pitcher care more about the game as a whole than um, than a young guy, quote-unquote, showing up a pitcher. Yeah. I'm glad that – that uh, that Bauer actually looked at the whole thing and said, you know what? It's a young kid having fun. He clobbered a pitch. This is what baseball should be. Baseball should be yeah. pitch to pitch. You're working your tail off. You're trying to do the best you can at every possible turn. Yep. And he's succeeding, you know? Yep. Trevor Bauer tweeted, number one, keep swinging 3-0 if you want to, no matter what the game situation is. Number two, keep hitting homers no matter what the situation is. Three, keep bringing energy and flash to baseball and making it fun. Four, the only thing that you did wrong was apologize. Stop that. Absolutely. I, I could not agree more. Um, I, a lot of people sided with him. Uh, Jeff Passan mm-hmm. also sided with him. Um, just a lot of players. And it's good that that's good. Yeah. You know? It shows um, baseball's moving in the right direction. Him. People should side with him. Yeah. He's a fantastic baseball player. And just because he – you know, hit a home run on a three zero. You know, like Jeff Passon said, he tweeted, "If you don't want someone to swing on a three zero pitch, throw a good three zero pitch. Yeah. If you don't want someone to swing on a three zero pitch, don't start a plate appearance with a don't start a plate appearance with three straight balls. Those are my unwritten rules. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't argue with that at all. That's an I couldn't have said it any better myself. No, you know, um, it just." That's all I got to say about it. He should have swung. He did swing. I'm happy he did. He shouldn't have apologized. I'm glad people are, are siding with him on this because they should. They very well should. Yep. And as the issue, we're going to take the stance and go stand by Tatis Jr. And uh, right. with that, I'm going to move into my uh, little spiel here. I uh, I was watching the Pittsburgh Pirates game last night, so obviously that means there was nothing else on TV. 
Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm watching this game, right? Tight game, 3-3, tied up. We're going into the bottom of the ninth. Now, as a baseball fan, I'm just living for this, right? Tim, did you get to catch this game at all? No, I actually did not catch this game at all. Well, it's Pirates-Indians, bottom nine, 3-3. Three, three. We come up, all right? Jacob Stallings, or uh, Gerard Dyson gets on base, okay? Oh, yeah, he's he, quick. He's quick. I like him. I like him when he's on base. I don't like him at the plate. No. Here. Somehow he gets on. He, I mean, he just hits this little blooper to uh, like right between first and second base. Uh, Carlos Santana misses just terrible play on the ball. Yeah, and uh, safe at first. Jacob Stallings lays down a bunt. Both runners are safe, first and second, no outs, bottom of the ninth. Oh, you got a bunt again. So Frazier comes up and bunts. Thank you. He misses the bunt. He misses the bunt. Okay, okay. Okay, he just totally misses the ball. And Gerard Dyson gets picked off backdoor by the catcher at second base. (laughs) So the catcher receives the ball, missed the bunt. Dyson, and and the catcher even double-clutched. He came up, double clutched to second. Dyson didn't do anything, and he throws down to second, gets him backdoor pick at second base. There's the first out of the inning. We had first and second with no outs in the bottom of the ninth. Okay, now, gotta, now, gotta, in that situation, I'm all for you know maybe kind of anticipating the bunt down and maybe you know moving, get getting about halfway down the line and, and stuff like that in a different situation. Yeah, but no outs. No outs. You got to see that ball down. Yeah, no outs. You that's a mental error on Dyson right there. And then, so Dyson gets thrown out at second. So now we have one out, runner on first, and Kevin Newman comes to the plate. Well, what happened to Frazier? Did he get out too? Oh uh, yeah, Frazier ended up. Or no, 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 no. My bad, my bad. Frazier. So, so Frazier's still at the plate. Yeah, Frazier's still at the plate. Hits a hits a nice line drive to right center field caught okay he gets out but that would have moved if dyson doesn't get picked dyson moves over on on a sacrifice fly and he's on third now with one out with one out but no now now we have two outs and a runner on first yeah okay and then at that point that's just a tough that's a tough get and now josh bell or no 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 who comes up who who bets the you said kevin newman yeah, Kevin Newman comes up, and Kevin Newman rips a single down the line in left field. That would have scored Dyson. That would have won the game. That would have been the walk-off hit. That would have scored Dyson from third, and that would have won the game. And that would have been the Pirates' uh, fifth win of the season, by the way. So so he comes up. He gets on. Now we have first and second, okay? First and second. Two outs. Josh Bell comes to the plate, who should not be hitting fourth right now. I think Colin Moran should be in the four hole. For some reason, Moran's still hitting five, but okay. So Josh Bell comes up and swings through three straight fastballs right down the middle of the plate, strikes out. We go to the 10th, okay? We go to the 10th, and with one out in the 10th, Carlos Santana hits a three-run nuke into the third story of the rotunda in left field. (laughs) And the Pirates end up losing six to three. 
Sounds about right. And that is the Pittsburgh team we all know and love because it's just so Pittsburgh Pirates of us to just miss on every single opportunity that comes our way. Couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, watching that bottom of the ninth inning, I seriously, (laughs) it, it was heartbreaking. Just watching just all the the little things that went wrong in the organization. The entire organization, not just that, not just the people that were hitting and in the box and on the base paths in that inning, but just the entire organization. There was a terrible call. Um, and I didn't even see Derek Shelton get even the slightest bit agitated. So you're not going to come out of the, you're not going to even fight for your own team in a, in a 3-3 ball game in the bottom of the ninth inning? Are you kidding me? But it just doesn't look like there's a lot of um, a lot of oomph and a lot of excitement anywhere. No, you know Josh Bell's what we're hanging our hat on. He's not looking good right now. I guess Calmer is picking up the slack, but I just it, they have four wins and they just can't seem to buy another one. No, they're, they're just not good. Sheldon's not looking good. No. The whole team just looks like looks like a. Uh, like a minor league team. It's yeah. terrible. I mean, I verbally said last night watching the game, I was like, I I don't understand how you can be Bob Nutting and sit down and look at this team. Like I, they were just showing the field and like the pirates, it was in the bottom of the 10th or the top of the 10th. And I was like, I just don't understand how you can be the owner of this team, sit down, look out and see the product that you have on the field and say, yeah, this is good because yeah, this will work. You're like, actually, but it, but it won't. That's the, that's the thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the thing is, though, it's not. No. It's not working. Not even close. But with that, I'd like to move away before my blood pressure goes through the roof. So we're gonna get into Tim's trivia. Um, I hope you're right, ready to go. We have yeah, Saquon and, Barkley. Uh, it's hard to hard to prove that I'm not on on any goo or anything. But you know, just trust me here, people. Just trust me. Yeah. You know, I'm too good to. I'm too good to do that. He's a trustworthy guy. And don't worry, he's going to miss at least one of these. All right, so yeah, I don't know about that. starting off, we'll we're going to be comparing Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott. Okay. Uh, two great running backs. And, Absolutely. Uh, and we're going to be comparing their 2019 season. Okay. Um, That's last year, right? Yes, this last yeah. season. Okay. Um, so in 2019, how many uh, touchdowns did Saquon, Bar- uh, Saquon Barkley rush for? Um, was it A, 10, B, 6, or C, 9? So your options are 10, 6, and 9. How many touchdowns does Saquon Barkley have in 2019? Six touchdowns. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Yep. One for one right off the rip. And now we're going to bounce right over to Zeke. How many touchdowns for Zeke in 2019? A, 12, B, 18, and C, 8. So 12, 18, and 8 are your options for Zeke. I'm going to go 8. No, it's 12. Really? Okay. All right. So I did miss one. You were right. You're okay. Right. Yep. You're one You're uh, one for two on there. Mm, that um, hurts. I, yeah, I guess he did. He did rush for a lot of touchdowns. I just figured Dak had some pretty good stats, threw a lot of touchdowns. We want that many more to go around, but yeah. Yeah. All uh, right. And we're going to move right back to Saquon here for, and I, this is a stat that is very meaningful, especially the way, I mean, I love this stat and it's the average yards per carry, right? Because when you give yeah. it and you, it's, it's testing one, the reliability of your running back and two, the consistency of how well they run. 
Um, I agree. No. So Sa- agree more. Saquon Barkley, what was his average yards per carry in 2019? Um, A, 5.2, B, 4.6, or C, 6.7. So 5.2, 4.6, or 6.7 for Saquon. Which one? Go 5.2. It was 4.6 a carry. That hurts. That hurts. I thought that was too low, and I thought the other one was too high, but mm, that hurts. I mean, I did 4.6. If you were just it's like, still really good, though. Like That's still good. It is really good, but this next one surprised me a little bit. Zeke, average yards per carry in 2019. Either A, 5.5, B, 6.2, or C, 4.5. All right, that's 5.5, 6.2, or 4.5 for Zeke. Which one? All right. Um, you have to read those options again. I just uh, – so Ezekiel Elliott. Yep, 5.5. Okay, 5.5. Uh, maybe. We'll go. 6.2. Or okay. 4.5. Yeah, I got burned for going too high last time. Mm-hmm. And I, I I like Saquon better. So I th- I'm going to go with 4.5. That's right. Um, All right, so I rounded out at 50%. Yeah. Could have been worse. I didn't realize how close these running backs They're are. They're very similar. Very, very similar backs. Well, they have the same style, kind of, too. They're both, like, hard running, but they could also both, you know... They both have, um, like... They both have breakaway speed, but they're... I would say Saquon's a little faster, and Zeke's a little more powerful, but they do run kind of similar. I mean, they're both really good out of the backfield. And they have great feet at the uh, the line of scrimmage, too, and getting past that initial point of attack. Yeah, I I agree. They're they're both extremely good backs. Um, I thought Zeke was, was better sooner, but I think... I think Saquon overall is a better, just a better quarter or a better um, running back. Sorry. Yeah. So Tim, I hope you're. All right, doing, so I finished. I finished fifty percent. That's not bad. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I'm hoping you're doing better with your classes and doing better in school than fifty percent. But <laughs> that'll do for uh, for trivia today. <sighs> Still hitting like six hundred for trivia overall. I think. Yeah, you got to be up there. Right? You're above five hundred for sure. Um. Oh yeah, well above five hundred. No, yeah, but that about does it for the first segment here. Um, if you're just joining us or you just, uh, you know, got to this point in the episode by scrolling, make sure you go back. We covered Tatis Jr. and um, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, you might want to scan through that one, though. And then uh, Tim's Trivia, two for four today. But we will be back with segment two here coming up after the break. And uh, we're going to have some news for you, and we're going to get to the AFC North predictions. So stick around because you're not going to want to miss that. What's up? We are back. It is segment two today for Wednesday, August 19th. Um, The issue, we are back. And Tim, you got some news stories for us to start us out with. Yeah, just a couple, couple, you know, current events, I guess, um, in the sports world. But it's football-related. Uh, Darius Geis got cut um, amid the investigation into his sexual assaults. Um, he's made a bunch of stupid decisions. Uh, it's just a shame because he, he, he was really talented. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I have to say about that. 
that, I mean, that, that sucks. I don't think it's going to really affect the NFL. Um, no one really cares about the Washington football team. So <laughs> I think we'll be fine um, without various guys being able to run the ball for them. But, uh, but it's just a, kind of a shame to see yeah. him kind of waste all that talent and stuff. But, uh, and then on a, kind of a happy note, I, I guess, however you want to look at it, um, Big Ten could play as early as January football-wise. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Michigan in January. I actually haven't, um, but it's brutally cold. So good luck to the Big Ten on that one. There's a reason that they don't have, you know, bowl games on January 1st. That There's a reason that those are all in um, Boca Raton and, and in <laughs> Miami and stuff. So yeah, uh, that that's going to suck mm-hmm. for anyone playing in the Big Ten. But they want to do it so that way that season ends before the NFL draft. I still think that big guys like uh, Justin Fields and, and – Maybe even that receiver, Chris Olave, and people like that would, would probably still "quote unquote" opt out and just work on focusing on the draft. Um, but I guess you know it's football; the season's not completely canceled yet, just postponed. So, I guess a little bit of hope there. But I think that would be a brutal season. So, good luck to them. Now, do you think? Question here for you: Do you think that could be just a hail mary attempt, just shot in the dark for the Big Ten to try to keep? Um, some of the players from transferring to the SEC and the ACC and, and the uh, conferences that will be playing this fall, and the, like the Big 12? No, because there's no way that they would get their waiver granted in time. That just, that just wouldn't happen. Um, it would be absolute madness and chaos, and the NCAA is anything but that. They're always, you know, stuck up and, you know, doing stuff according to the book. Yeah. Um, even when the book should be thrown out. Like when guys transfer back home to take care of like a sick parent or something like that, and they still can't get granted immediate eligibility, like stuff like that is annoying, mm-hmm. but there's just no way that they would allow players to mix and match with this pro football. I mean, there's no way. Yeah. I mean, I just want to, it'd be chaos. Everyone would be like, if you're a top receiver. Where are you going to go? Trevor Lawrence, yeah. you know, it just, you would be, you'd be picking the top schools based on your position. It would just be very stupid. Um, so I don't think that'll happen. I don't think that's what they're trying to prevent. And they're just trying to salvage a little bit of a season here. Any revenue that they could bring in is, is welcomed. So yeah, I was just—I mean, I've seen a lot of things on on Twitter and Instagram about um, players uh, transferring, and I just wanted to get your take on that because I didn't really believe that that could. Um, I don't think that could even be. I mean, if it took fly. if it took Phil that long to get his waiver granted from Notre Dame to Boston College, I mean, there's I mean, just the season starts in like three or four weeks, right? Yeah, it does. There's just no way that you'd be able to do all that because as soon as one person tries to do it, everyone will try to do it, and then it'll just be crazy. There's no way. I I can't see that happening. Yeah. Well, with that, we're going to move into the AFC North predictions. So, uh, Tim, sit up straight, man, because we'll be going for a ride here. Um, Starting from the bottom up, like we normally do, uh, we have the Cincinnati Bengals in dead last at 3-13. and Yeah, I don't think we're going to get a lot of debate on this one. No. Um, I think they'll be better with a, with a healthy receiving core and stuff, and I think their their games will be a little bit closer. Uh, they got some offensive line pieces back, but their offensive line still bottom third of the league. Mm-hmm. Um, their defense can't even stop a nosebleed, you know. Um, I like Geno Atkins. He's a almost annual annual pro bowler at defensive line, but if you're hanging your hat on an aging Geno Atkins for your defense, that, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not sold on them. They have a, a new QB who I don't. I'm also not sold on, and a, and a relatively new head coach. 
Um, I just can't put them above five wins. And I think in the loaded division, I think three would be like pretty good. Four, four maximum. Um, I think they'll have a top five pick again though, next year for sure. Yeah, maybe get somebody to compliment uh, good old Joe down there in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. Um, moving up now, third in the division, the hometown Pittsburgh Steelers. We have them at nine and seven and third in the division. And this is interesting to me because it, when that's that just proves how good the AFC North is. When you have a team like the Steelers that have a top three defense in the league, in my opinion, yeah, at, and a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, at third in the division, that that says a lot about the division that they're in. So if you want to take that away. Yeah, it's just, I mean, if you get in the line with their schedule, you could you could um maybe say that they'd make they'd make ten and six, uh, you know, eleven and five if you just do the go down the schedule, win, loss, win, loss, that type of thing. Um but I mean we know from Pittsburgh, we know best that the Steelers are gonna find two to three games to where they just choose to play down to their opponents. Yep. Um, I think it was like two or three years ago when they lost to Miami, when Miami had nobody except for Jay Ajayi, who isn't even a starting running back anymore. Um, we just we just find ways to lose games we shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, our, our schedule's filled with them, just mediocre teams that would could definitely beat up on us. So, you know, the Colts, um, the Titans, even the Cowboys, even though they're talented, I still think they're pretty mediocre. Yeah. Um, as a whole, especially with the new head coach. But I wouldn't be surprised if they beat us. I wouldn't be surprised if the Titans beat us. I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts beat us, you know? Mm-hmm. So you get on the line, you could say 11 and 5, you do the win loss thing. But there's just, if you actually dig deeper and think, hmm, Steelers, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, 9 and 7 sounds about right. Um, and if they can go 9 and 7 out, or with, um, with Devlin Hodges and Mason Rudolph, I'm pretty sure they, they can't be any worse. With Big Ben, you know, mm-hmm. I would say nine and seven is the floor, but okay. the ceiling's also not that high here. And so the ceiling is ten and six, you know. Maybe, maybe eleven and five if they can stretch. Yeah, them. I mean, you'd have to. It'd be a hail mary to get to eleven and five. I mean, the offense is average, um, but the defense is top three, so that's good. Mm-hmm. The, the offense, I think, is just going to be is going to be a problem. I think they're going to be uber competitive. You know, every single game, I think they're going to. If they their seven losses, I think they're all going to be, you know coming down to pretty much last possession, you know? Yeah. I just think it's going to be tough for them to get to that 10, that 10 win double digit mark. Um, they just don't have the firepower and the, the uncertainty is just insane with the team. You just don't really know. It, they kind of seem a little bit directionless. We're just kind of riding a really good defense right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I think, like I said, they'll be really competitive. I'd hope that they would do the best. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they go 16 and up. Yeah. But that's just not too realistic. It's just not plausible. No. Um, so that's Steelers at nine and seven and third. We're going to hop up one place in the division now to second, where we have the Cleveland Browns at ten oh, and six. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird being from Pittsburgh and saying that the Browns are going to be better than the Steelers, but yeah, if you can't see it, then I can't really help you. You know, I mean, um, I think the Browns have just too much talent, too much depth to mess it up this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I have my doubts on on Kevin Stefanski, but I think he'll actually understand this team and, and play and cater to the strengths of this team, which is power running. Yep. Um, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, and a, and a really good um, run blocking offensive line. Uh, they need they need power running and play action. You know, I can conclude that Baker just isn't good enough to drop back 35, 40 times a game and beat people on just sheer firepower. I just don't think he's good enough for that. Um, but I think he's good enough with a run game. 
and he's good enough dropping back 25 to 28 times on play actions, bootlegs, waggles, stuff like that, move the pocket, um, deception. I could the only, the only thing I could see issues with this team. I mean, seriously, they're loaded. They have two of everything. OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, David Njoku, Nick Chubb, um, Kareem Hunt. You know, they have they have they have everything. They even have two they have two starting caliber quarterbacks. Case Keenum's their backup. They're paying him more than some people are paying their starting quarterbacks. Um, so they have they just have two of everything. Like I said, the only thing I could see a problem is just the targets. You know, OBJ is a is a volume a volume cat pass catcher. Jarvis Landry is too. Um, and then you add Austin Hooper. David Njoku and then Nick Chubb out of the backfield. I mean, there's there could be a problem with uh, too many miles to feed. Mm-hmm. But if Stefanski can put his foot down and say, listen, we're looking for wins, not catches. We're looking for, you know, results, not touchdown catches for, you know, or yards for OBJ. You know what I mean? Yeah, look, I mean, they're, um, they're hunting for a title right now. They're not going to look for – I mean, if, if they're really going to – those stars are going to whine and complain about not getting enough touches, then that just speaks volumes about who they are. I agree. I think if they can establish the run game, look out. You know, their defense is fast, young, tough. They should be a top 10 defense. Um, I think their schedule's rough early, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's really going to hurt them that much because I think a new coach, shortened season or preseason, everything like that, it, they're going to be rocky regardless. And I think it'll actually help that they're getting all their good, the, the good teams that they play up front mostly. Yeah. And uh, by the time they get to the back end, they'll all, it'll, they'll be battle tested. They'll, um, they'll gel a lot more by then. I think they could really get in a roll towards the back end, but um, they just they're they're just, they're loaded, you know. But I think just because they're Cleveland, they'll put them at ten and six instead of higher. Yeah. If this roster was um, with John Harbaugh as the coach and they were the Ravens, or if they were, you know, with Bill Belichick and it was the uh, the Patriots, I'd have them at probably like fourteen and two, fifteen and one, you know. Yeah. Yep, coaching is going to be the big question mark um, for sure. Yeah, just coaching and just a lot of uncertainty just because, you know, at the end of the day, the Browns are going to brown, you know. That's never right. know. I mean, just – There's like, always that possibility that the Browns recede into their old habits. Yeah, yep. And uh, with that, we're going to go and we're going to crown the division champion uh, Baltimore Ravens at a 14-2 and two season who, by the way, Colin Coward, uh, one of our favorite – um, ridiculously oh, predicted that they would go really good. He said, he said, quote, they were, the Ravens are going to go 16 and 0 walk through the playoffs and win a championship. Uh, but we have them at 14 and two, Tim, go ahead. I mean, they're loaded. Uh, I just really can't imagine them losing more than three games. Uh, they're just, uh, they have an easy schedule. They don't travel West at all. Um, they, they play in the same time zone pretty much the whole year. Which is huge, um, especially with with NFL because you're not in cities for three or four days. You're in there for one or two days. You know, yeah, you um, don't have a lot of time to acclimate. Yeah, so that helps them a lot. And they added a lot of really good pieces. Calais Campbell, they got him for a twelve pack of Diet Coke. Um, it was an incredible deal by their GM. And then they added rookie J.K. Dobbins, who I think is going to be a star. I think he's going to be a top one hundred player within his first year, maybe second. It only helps that he's going to the best running team in the league. Um, and then Patrick Queen, who's a speedy linebacker in an increasingly speed-centric league, um, I think he'll be really good. They're going to be really, really good. <laughs> I mean, they're just going to be really good. Um, I think Mahomes is going to beat them in week three. I'm just going to go through their losses because there's only two of them, so it's kind of easy. Um, I think Mahomes is going to beat them in that week three matchup. I just think early on, Lamar might be slightly out of rhythm. Um 
some new pieces, this, that. Marquise Brown will get start getting back into it. But by week five or six, that team's going to be rolling. You know, they are going to be – it's going to be tough for them to lose games after that. I think they're going to win every other game except – I do, even though I have my doubts about the Steelers, I think the Steelers' defense, they owned Lamar last year. Owned him. Um, so I think week 11 is going to be their other loss. Um, it's a night game at Heinz Field against a defense who owned Lamar, like I said last year. Um, I like the Steelers in that game, but other than that, I think the Ravens roll. Uh, I, I, people might say, well, what are the Browns are so talented. You were just hyping up the Browns. Yeah, so they, they get the Browns. Browns and Ravens play week one. The Browns are still going to be figuring some stuff out by then. I'm taking the Ravens all day. And then, and then in week three, or anyway, and then week 13, they get them again. Um, by then, the Ravens are going to be rolling. They're going to be grooving, and the Browns just won't really stand a chance in their way. Um, I think the only team that, that can beat them is the Chiefs after that. I think the Steelers, like I said, in that game, because of the circumstances, night game, Heinz Field, Steelers defense will be Lamar. But outside of that, I think going into the playoffs, I think the next loss after that will be, will be at the hands of the, uh, either Patrick Mahomes or I wouldn't be surprised if they do go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you just can't argue – with that, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens, they've just done a great job over the past two, three years of drafting and, and making great deals um, in the offseason and before the deadline. So, I mean, and they're kind of going all in on this on this Lamar running running style offense. They're getting pieces that fit it. Yeah. Um, you see, like in Seattle, um, you know, he, Russ can run, but they're not going to build a whole offense around it. Um, you see in Arizona, they're not building a whole offense just so Kyler Murray can run. But in Baltimore, they're catering this just to Lamar Jackson, and it's, it's working. They're getting tight ends. They're getting safety valves. They're getting big linemen. They're getting really good running backs. They're just doing everything they can to make him, who's a dynamic talent, excel. And uh, and their defense is always going to be really good. I've never seen a Ravens team with a bad defense. Um, so you can pretty much bank on that. You had Calais Campbell, Marcus Peters there for another year. In the system again, he'll be better. Just have so much talent, so many dudes, so many veteran proven guys too. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Um, so with that, we're gonna get into now our top players of the division. Uh, who do you have as your offensive MVP? Or no, we're gonna go overall first. My bad. Overall MVP for the division. Hmm. See, that's tough. Um. I don't want to give it to Lamar. It's such an easy answer, but I have to. He's just so good. I mean, I think he's the best player in this division. I have my doubts on him. I still think he's a top five player in the league. I would put him as the number one player in this division. I would have to say the same. Um, I would say Nick Chubb's got a chance. I think he's going to be really good. Um, and you think I'm crazy. I'm really high on J.K. Dobbins. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a really good year, and I'm picking it right now. I'll throw it out there. He's going to be my top rookie. I think J.K. Dobbins is going to be an absolute beast. Um, he's my pick for rookie of the year in this division. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, my thing, I, I mean, I like Lamar as my overall MVP for the division. As my offensive MVP, I'm going to go ahead and put Nick Chubb. Um, offensive MVP, I will also go Nick Chubb. I think we're going to have a lot of very similar answers here. I'm going to go Nick Chubb as well. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those divisions where y- y- there's just a lot of talent, 
but there's just those stars that stand out. Those guys that separate themselves. Yeah. You got Lamar, you got Nick Chubb. I mean, and then on defense, uh, on the even, defensive even, end, I'm going to go TJ Watt as my defensive MVP for the division. I mean, dude, you're just we're we're right on line here. I, I would pick TJ Watt too. He's an absolute animal. Yeah, I mean, it's just you can't really argue with that as a as a pick for you know. I think he's going to be. In, I think he's going to be a twelve. Minimum 12 sack a year guy for the next seven, eight years, you know? And I mean, yeah, I mean, we analyzed him that one day um, on the show. And I think it was. Yeah, the fact that, um, what was it, Clowney was rated above. Well, Clowney was rated above him, but we analyzed pass rushers as a whole. Yeah. And, um, and uh, how he was obviously the best one. He but, just um, has so many tackles yeah. for loss. I mean, they do just. He's just a really, but- really good. Just a, just a really good football player, you know? He's just. He um, I think obviously his. his his pass rushing is number one, his number one skill, but he just does everything well. He, he works his tail off. He's always in every play. He's just a, such a good football player. And he's always you know, you in there. You could point to other people and say, well, you could point to, uh, I don't know, take a pass rusher. Vaughn Miller is probably a better pass rusher. Um, you could point to guys like that and say, oh, they're better at this and they're better at that. But as a whole, he's just so good. It reminds me of uh, Russell Wilson, how you could say, okay, Mahomes has better arm strength. Lamar's more mobile. Um, Brady's more accurate and has better, you know, mental side of the game. But if you look as a body of work, Russell Wilson's the best football player. Yeah, he's he, more he is. He just wins. He's tough, you know. And I, I think that's similar with TJ Watt. You, you can point out obviously that that his pass rushing is great, but he just does everything so good, as you, so above average that he is just great as a whole. As you like to say, he's more well-rounded. He does more. He does he's everything well. Yeah, he's an incredibly well-rounded player. And yeah. I think he is. I would put him as the best football player in this division, but I think valuable wise, Lamar. You take Lamar off that team, I don't know what happens. Um, yeah, now who's I still your, think they're a, a nine-win team, but still. Yeah. Um, uh, who's your pop player, man? Who's your who's pop in this season for you? My pop player is gonna be the same as my rookie of the year. I think J.K. Dobbins is really, really good. Um, okay. If I had to pick a non-rookie, I would say that. Uh, hmm. I said Juju is gonna is gonna bounce back, and I don't know if it's necessarily popping. Okay, I, you know we'll define popping as you know really really breakout. Juju kind of already had that breakout year. I'm gonna go with Deontay Johnson. Okay. Um, he had a really good year as a rookie. I think he's gonna take a step forward. Okay. Here's mine, Benny Snell. Ooh, you're picking Benny Snell. I don't think think Benny Snell is going to get many carries. To be honest with you, nope, he's going to get James a lot Connor. of carries because James Connor's not going to touch the. He's he, James Connor's going to get hurt. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> what about uh, Jalen Samuels? I think they split time, and I think Benny Snell has a really good pop year this year. Uh, he came I, in. He had his first seat. He was a rookie last year. Um, didn't get too many touches, uh, didn't play all that much, but I think this year he uh, starts to establish himself more. I'm I, interested to see it. Um, all ears. Who's your, who's your top rookie in the division? Uh, Dobbins sounds good. I, I, I would say another candidate is um, Jedrick Wills for um, the yeah. Browns, that tackle that they drafted, considering I, tackle was such a problem. I do there, like that. If you're looking at MVP, he's going to be really valuable. And you're right. I did. Team. I did like, and I did talk about that tackle a lot, and they solved that problem with him in Cleveland. So you're right. I'm going to go ahead and put him uh, as the top, as my top rookie. Um, I think he's going to be huge for Cleveland. Um, it's going to be a 
big for Baker because he's going to need protection. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you protect him, he's good to go. Yeah, so that is that's that man. We got that division covered. Um, yeah, make sure you check out the Instagram. We'll have the graphic up and uh, our predictions posted uh, later today. They should be up, and make sure you're going and commenting on that. And uh, that is at the underscore issue podcast on Instagram and at the issue podcast on Twitter. No underscores, no nothing on Twitter. Just and, um, at the issue podcast. If you guys are going to remember anything from today, just remember that although I did go two for four, just remember that as a whole, I'm a, an absolute animal trivia and, and, and owning him, um, owning Luke and trivia, batting well above 500%. So um, see you guys. There you go. I mean, look, he's just a well-rounded body of work here. You got Tim. All right. So uh, thanks for listening to today's episode. Make sure you come back. Have a good back day, for... fellas. Have a good day. Yeah, make I sure am... you're back. I'm having Friday. a great day. Yeah? Two, Two for, four? for four, baby. So, not that. I'll take 500 all day. All right. That is the issue.